if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of season 2 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. We are back to discuss the weekend of 18th, 19th February in the Premier League. Absolutely action-packed as we motor through the season now. And we've got a League Cup final on the horizon as well. So lots to talk about as uh, the European season picks up again as well. Uh, my name's Alex Gross. I'm the Spurs fan. I went to uh, Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham yesterday, so I'll tell you a bit about that later in the show. And with me, as always, are Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan, who's pretty happy. Good evening. And uh, also with us, as always, is George Harker, the Leeds United fan. His team, sadly, now 19th in the league, and uh, it's looking gloomier by the week. But uh, good evening, George. Uh, we love having you here, and uh, it's mm. nice—it's nice to chat to you again. <laughs> Great to be here, as always. Thank you. On this particular weekend, George's uh, beloved Leeds went down one 0 at Everton. We'll talk about that shortly. But uh, firstly, the headlines—I suppose the uh, the fascinating and developing title race between Arsenal, Manchester City, and dare I say it, Manchester United. Nick. Oh, go on. Then. We're still not sure. (laughs) But uh, that took a major turn last midweek after our last recording when Manchester City went to Arsenal and won 3-1 in a really impressive performance. But then this weekend, Arsenal, who looked like they were going to drop more points at Villa Park, got a very, very fortunate, in my opinion, um, late goal to make it 3-2 and then added another to win 4-2 at Aston Villa and put the pressure back on Manchester City who then drew at an absolutely jumping city ground, 1-1 with Nottingham Forest. Then in the tea time game on Sky Sports on Saturday, Liverpool beat Newcastle 2-0 in a game packed with incident and where pretty much everything went wrong for the Toon. And Nick, pretty amazing news if you're looking forward to next weekend's League Cup final between your team, Manchester United and Newcastle because goalkeeper Nick Pope saw red, (laughs) quite literally, um, and figuratively, got himself sent off. He's out of the League Cup final, but even sweeter is the fact that their second goalkeeper played for you in the same competition earlier this season. And that means that the uh, hapless and lesser-spotted Loris Karius will be in goal for your opponents. Yeah, and he loves a big game in the the final, doesn't he? As Real Madrid will tell you. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, that was that was quite entertaining. Also, uh, also huge news on Saturday: Chelsea woeful run of form under uh, embattled, beleaguered Graham Potter. They lost one nil at home to uh, Southampton with yet another direct free kick goal from James Ward-Prowse. And um, all of us agreed on last week's pod that if they can't beat bottom of the league Southampton as they were last week. Um, at home, then Potter would be gone. But as we record, he's still in post. Guess who they play, play next? They have to travel to... The Pride of North London. Thank you very much. Yes, they travel to Tottenham. So uh, that'll be tasty, as it usually is. Um, it seems like there's no appetite for him to go before then either. I think you will see Graham Potter in the dugout. Yeah, well, it seems from 
from what we can tell that that would be helpful to us. <laughs> uh, in the battle of the uh, overachievers, Fulham won 1-0 away at Brighton. So um, Fulham continue their charge towards a, a surprise European spot. And then on Sunday, we beat West Ham 2-0 with another uh, awful first half and decent second half. And uh, Manchester United steamrolled Leicester, from what I could tell, although I was uh, in the pub before my game. But uh, yeah, another couple for Rashford. Well, and... yeah, we'll talk about it later. I think um, oh, it wasn't quite the steamrollering until the first goal went in, and then right. it really was. Okay, so um, Man United go rolling on, and they have a second leg against Barcelona, and then the League Cup final, so a huge week coming up. Um, but we will start as usual on this show, with our moment of the weekend, where each one of us chooses a moment from the world of football that does not involve the team we support, before we then turn our attentions to our own teams. Um, so here we go with this week's moment of the weekend. Okay, this week's moment of the weekend. Who wants to go first? I'm happy to go first. Go on, I will go first because I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm grouping three together because my moment of the week was a collection of goalkeeping gaffs and howlers. Right. Um, my first you've already referenced was obviously Nick Pope and I felt like I couldn't purely rely on that for this this week given its direct impact on my own team which I know is our one stipulation. Yeah. Um, but Nick Pope losing his mind and getting sent <laughs> off for just grabbing the ball miles away from the goal. Um, was obviously objectively funny, um, but not as funny as football's nastiest man, Emiliano Martinez, um, <laughs> bouncing one in off his own head to yeah. steal a point from his team and cost us and give Arsenal, you know, a valuable three. That was quite simply put the most delicious form of Schadenfreude. Yes, and all sorts of uh, delay tactics leading up to it, and um, play acting and all sorts. Exactly, and there's no one in world football, apart from probably a handful of Argentinians, who would not have taken a huge delight in that the, the way that the ball went in for Arsenal in the last minute. Um, yeah, but maybe add Spurs fans and a handful. Yeah, Spurs fans. I suppose if if Arsenal are going to score a last minute winner, then that's sort of the way that you would have to take your medicine, I suppose. Well, when um, when we talk about refereeing later, I'll also mention the two players in offside position that were in his eye line. Yes, and you know, as I think we remarked at the time on WhatsApp earlier in the season, that goal wouldn't have stood, and there have mm -hmm. been goals that have been ruled out for that reason. But um, as we all know, and we might talk about later, the referees and VAR are making up as they go along. Um, the third uh, piece of goalkeeping, I think I can guess, and I think so yeah. can George. And I don't want to kick a man while he's down, but the um, the breadstick and goal at Leeds United <laughs> caught woefully in in no man's land as Seamus Coleman discovered his uh, inner. Uh, Marco Van Basten uh, was <laughs> very generous <laughs> um, and I will say no more about that because I don't want to steal George's thunder no I think that that goal could be seen uh, in different ways so we'll see what George says about that but um, firstly mm. your moment of the weekend George yeah not involving your own club is a very easy rule these days for me um, <laughs> but it's sort of connected and it's just it's quite simple and sorry Listeners, quite boring one. Just West Ham not getting any points um, <laughs> to stop <laughs> almost the entire bottom half of the league getting points, except my club. Well, you're very so, welcome. Thank you, Spurs, for that. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that too. 
grey act of philanthropy by the Spurs. <laughs> as for Seamus Coleman's annual goal against us, um, <laughs> I might be wrong. I've seen a lot of bad stuff on Twitter the last couple of days, but I think his goal has an XG of 0.16. So <laughs> it, you either look at it as a hopeful punt. Who, who knows if he meant to shoot? <laughs> no one even knows if he meant to shoot. I'd, I'd, I'd say not. He was running away from goal to see that, that gap and then hit the gap. I don't know about that. I'm not sure if it's intentional. I just think if it hasn't gone in, no one's talking about it and no one made a single comment about the keeping. So I don't know. Yep. Yeah, you, you I, can look at it either way. I was definitely throwing some chum in the water because I think it was particularly harsh on Melier. Oh, you you do think with... it was harsh on him? Yeah, I was being particularly uh, harsh, I think. The, the two which obviously stood out for me were Pope and uh, Martinez, but Melier has been hard done by, I think. Yeah, I mean, there is that mantra from, from schoolboy level that everybody learns that you've got to cover your near post, but it's it must be a little bit different. If if you don't expect there to be a threat on your goal, then is it the same? But yeah, I must admit, when I first saw it, I thought it was a howler. Um, I mean, it shouldn't happen. It's a never event for a goalkeeper, I would say. A bit like mm. pilots and doctors have never events. That's a never event for a goalkeeper, I think. But I think Pope's was even more of a never event. <laughs> <laughs> Pope was a please sometimes event for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, so uh, my... the hand wringing over Pope missing the cup final. Yeah. Just very do not understand. Yeah. I, I, I mean, don't get me started already. But Gary Lineker on match of the day saying, "Please let him play." I yeah. was re- I was really surprised. Funnily enough, I didn't uh, I didn't see the. Uh, the campaign to have Casemiro allowed to play in our yeah. double header against our big rivals. Yeah, it's funny I didn't get to see that campaign. Such a shame. Off. Do let him play. <laughs> um, yeah. So my uh, moments of the weekend is also quite simple and obvious. It's uh, James Ward-Prowse yet again. He's one behind David Beckham now. We've had a few that we've talked about on this show, but yeah, fabulous. Uh, we thought that was a game that Chelsea couldn't lose. Not just in uh, couldn't allow themselves to lose, but couldn't possibly lose. I I meant, and they That's did. So and proper falling. new manager bounce or caretaker bounce for Southampton, isn't it? Yeah, who um, has overtly said he wants the job. So don't even remember his name, if I'm honest. No, me neither. Okay, <laughs> no, neither, neither do you. <laughs> don't That's get too good. attached. He's a Southampton manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, great result, and um, yeah, just fabulous Ward Prowse. That wasn't exactly. Didn't exactly hit top bins or side corner. Um, but what I really loved about it as a moment was the fact that after it went in, Kepa went to that post and just <laughs> kicked it very hard with his boot out of frustration just to show that he knew exactly that that was going to happen and yet couldn't stop it. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed seeing that. So... Um, yeah, let's talk uh, Goodison Park then. I watched this game again on a um, slightly sub-legal feed. It wasn't great. I think on Match of the Day they... Even the feed or the game? No, the game itself. And you saw that too, Nick, didn't you? What did they say about this game on Match of the Day? What... Oh, that was yeah. pretty awful, wasn't it? Something yeah, I like think it was They were very lot, honest. Yeah, not not billing it as uh, with the hyperbole that you see on a big competitor sky. Yeah, one thing that I thought would help you actually, George, was that Everton was not a bear pit compared to their first game under Deitch when they sensationally beat Arsenal. They were pretty subdued, the Toffees. So I thought that would help you. 
But um, yeah, you lost uh, 1-0 to a goal from, let me see here, Seamus Coleman. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's your your view on how Leeds played? Were they unfortunate? Or no, um, no. was it just same old, same old? No, it wasn't. Um, because, and anyone who listened to last week's will remember me quipping that maybe we need to play badly and win because right. playing well um, has not worked for us for a lot of this season. But no, that doesn't work either because this was this was bad. I mean, this was from what I've seen of our season or maybe if we go back to anything post-Bielsa, which is a bit of a line in the sand for Leeds fans, this is probably one of the worst since he left. And it just reeks of, to use one of Nick's, I don't know, Nick's is smelly or term, isn't it? Sorry, re- reeks of, <laughs> um, just reeks of relegation for me. Yeah. And I'm not being negative and doomsday and all that. This is, I mean, I think the ma- we talked about the manner of the goal. I think that only goes in when everything's just going the wrong way and all points towards one thing. There's, there's a lot of, if, if you bear with me a sec, there's, there's an incredible amount of parallels between the exact same fixture last season when we're in the same number of games, um, still under Bielsa, but obviously this was a bit slightly earlier in the season because the fixture's been different this season. We lost that game 3-0. Sure, Seamus Coleman scored, like I said, is his annual goal against us. But the difference is we were on 23 points then. We're on 19 at the moment. Loosely, the, the theory is you get the same number of points as game, you tend to stay up, so 38. So that 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 was that was early February. So only just over a year ago, and we're worse. We, we somehow contrived to get rid of the best manager we've had in twenty years plus, maybe. And we are we've some. Phil Hay put it really well in the Athletic podcast that I listened to earlier today. That we've somehow gone got even worse in that twelve months, which no one thought was possible. And I think yeah, this feels like. You know, we've been a bit unlucky with results. We played well against Manchester United, etc. and so on. But this just feels like the, the biggest indicator yet that there won't be a, a good ending to this this saga. I think we, you know, we survived by not even fingertips and fingernails last season. You know, we survived yeah. because Burnley didn't win on the last day. That's why we survived. So that's that's not even but, like but we got course, ourselves out of trouble. Of course, there is one remaining possible scenario. Mm. Or one remaining possible ray of hope, and that is an, an as yet unidentified new manager. <laughs> Just feels too late now. We we have fifteen games left, and we need six, seven more victories, and we've only won four so far this whole season. So yeah. I think it's it doesn't to a degree it doesn't matter who comes in now. I feel like it's if you're the players, they're not robots. They can't just bring a new manager in and play a new style instantly and start winning games. You know. The mentality must be rock bottom. Losing that game, you know, I, I would have thought it would have been pretty low having played so well against Manchester United twice and getting one point. Yeah. But that's just like, and then Southampton, I mean, we lose that. It's terminal. I think it's, it's Southampton at home next. Yeah. It definitely felt like the weekend where having optimistically watched Leeds and told you that I felt Leeds were too good to go down, it felt like this weekend it got very real. Mm. And I, ha- I haven't got the same optimism to throw at you, I'm afraid. No. Yeah. Yeah, we would. We were saying that we exchanged a few messages, Nick, yeah, this weekend. I think we there's an editorial change of direction on the podcast. I think <laughs> not, so. Yeah. Not just from George, but um, we'll get through yeah. this together. <laughs> we'll get through it together, but leads are going down. <laughs> Very much so. And I, I wonder if it's probably one of the on paper strongest squads that's going to go down. It's just 
there's there's plenty of talent in that squad. It's not like the last time we got relegated or in the Championship or the Premier League where you just had a team of misfits and loans and nobody in charge. You've got a very well, good, deep, talented squad that mm-hmm. on paper is probably better than four or five teams in the league. But it's just, like I said, post Bielsa, it's just we've been we've been sliding one way and feel like last season was either delaying the inevitable which I know Everton fans thought that about last season as well, funnily enough. Or it's a turning point and, you know, you move forward, but we've obviously not. But then why can Everton have the turning point with Sean Dyche, apparently? Mm. Um, I mean... Better foresight at boardroom level? I, I don't know. I mean... So I've, what's the latest on Dyche. the manager? I'd kill for Dyche now. <laughs> what's the latest yeah. on the manager? God, the latest one today was uh, a name you'll definitely be familiar with. <laughs> well, you might not be because of the pile of ex-Watford managers there is, but Javi Grazia um, yeah. who is currently out yeah. of work. It just feels like, the, you know, the, the bargain bin by the till with the, the very bottom <laughs> of it as well. Just let's find someone that's, Aldi manager. Out, someone that's out of work and uh, might take the job. He's got a horrific, a horrifically long coaching record for someone who's only just turned 50, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw someone on Twitter just put oh, whatever. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> This is where the board have let the club down because, you know, the succession plan post-Marsh, no one is surprised Mm. that Marsh is gone. We were talking about this on the pod a few weeks ago, Mm. before that even. And to have floundered for three weeks of the season now, which is Mm -hmm. what, five matches, Mm -hmm. 15 points gone. Yeah. It's negligent. It's, I heard this on another, another Leeds United podcast. They were saying how it sounds like Marsh was courted for the best part of two years before he signed because Bielsa would only do one year at a time because he didn't want to overcommit. Um, so he did that. Complete failure of an appointment. Doesn't Didn't work in the slightest. It was a project um, with a largely improved manager in a big league. Where's the plan now? Just wait until it's too late. Wait till the January transfer window is closed two days after and then get rid of him and have nobody lined up. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's pathetic and amateur and it's, it's not fair on the fans who waited a long time to get into the Premier League and now just going to probably go at a bit of a whimper. Um, but I will, I'll end this on a slightly not positive, but a jovial note. I'll give you a little quiz. <laughs> Can you tell me what do Wigan, Forest Green, Rochdale and Maidstone all have in common right now? <laughs> they'll, have, they'll have done are something they... more sensibly or better than Leeds. <laughs> are they all on five wins? Exactly, season? well done. Is that right? Because I saw a tweet where I think yeah. no one in Europe has lost, has won. Well, I don't know about Europe, but yeah, they're, they're all bottom of the other four leagues. But they've all I think there's a team in Italy's Serie A that still hasn't won, if that helps. Is that right? Oh, maybe I should support them. <laughs> <laughs> they should definitely have had a mid-season friendly after the World Cup. Yeah. So Southampton at home, I mean, it could be a bit of a kickstart, or it could be the end. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, I mean, you're right. See. You've got to win that. That's that's. It will it will turn toxic if it doesn't go well in the first sort of half hour. It's a, it's it's a largely supportive fan base, and it will always get behind the players and the manager. But if it doesn't go well, if we can see the first goal, it'll be yeah, it'll be bad. Will so, that I mean, be directed at the board? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't blame poor Scabala. He's been there five yeah. minutes. So yeah. And then a trip to Fulham in the cup, which you need like a hole in the head. <laughs> yeah, and then stupidly me after that. Yeah. For my sins, going to Chelsea away. I'm sure we'll have a new manager by then. Batterers, so yeah. <laughs> it, might be, it might be Potter. Might do a Wigan. We might win the cup and go down. Yeah, that could be new manager derby. Chelsea leads on the 4th of March. Yeah, hopefully we've got Potter. Yeah, that'd be good. 
take that. That could be, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I know this is unimaginative, but mm. is it is it phone Big Sam time yet? <laughs> Again, whatever. Do, yeah. do something. Because that's why I think Everton are better, Everton are they consider themselves above Daesh, but they've gone horses yeah. for courses. They're yeah. in a relegation battle, and they're not yeah. really anymore. They'll be out of it in, in three weeks. But um, and uh, Warnock's back, so well, yeah, got a job. Yeah. he's got a job. Yeah, uh, that's, what, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's, he's back from the dead. <laughs> it feels like Leeds are taking that purist approach to a project. They've committed to this sort of Hassan Marsh type approach, mm. and do they need a pragmatist? Yeah, mm. well, it, it, project is the key word. That's what everyone always refers to. All the signings we make and everything is always a project. So I feel sorry for these players, and we got to, you know, give them a chance. And yeah, exactly. We just just be realistic and get someone. We all, all our signings. Look, I was chatting to an Leeds fan about this today. All our signings this season are all long term vision, and it's the arrogance that they just think, oh, we'll be in the Premier League, so it's fine. Yeah, we'll let, yeah, we'll let yeah. these players develop. We need. Well, again, say sort of like Chelsea with the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. But as one of my friends said today, like, um, why didn't we sign Danny Ings? Like, why didn't we sign yeah. just a sure thing that will get us some goals? We sign a up and coming young uh, French lad from, from the Bundesliga for our club record fee yeah. and expect him to just hit the ground running and score as the goals we need. And you, Danny left Ings. Him, you left him on the bench of 1 0 down against your uh, relegation He's rival. Playing 421s tonight, says it all. <laughs> You sign Dice and you sign Ings, you probably stay up. I know it's it's not fashionable and it's not going to, yeah. you know, get everyone excited. But what's well, more? George? I think I lost hope the moment that you told us on here that um, your top goal scorer this season uh, broke his ankle when he was brought on as a substitute when you were three nil up at Accrington Stanley. Oh. I think that's mm. that says yeah. it all about amateurism. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bleak. All right. Well, thank you uh, for being here, as always, to report on that. And uh, all we can do is keep our fingers crossed that uh, three magical points will arrive against uh, Southampton. You've got the pod pulling in your direction at the weekend against Southampton. If if all else fails, we'll have a regular championship slot on this pod. Yeah, (laughs) we could do without broadening our scope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, back after this. Right, listeners, sorry for the background noise, but uh, I'm here at the stadium with a friend of the show, Will Swannell, West Ham fan, of course, say it quietly. I've lent him a blue and white scarf today. We're at Tottenham West Ham, and uh, it's about half an hour to go till kickoff. And uh, I'm very excited. I rarely get to go with a friend of mine to the game, whoever they support. Um, always a great occasion, it's a lovely day, sunny February day in London for it. Charleston starts. Uh, we go top four if we win. Big if though with recent performances. And our great uh, local rivals West Ham are in town. Uh, let's see how Will feels about it. They're down in uh, 18th place, I believe you are. Or is it 17th, still just above the drop zone? Right, so uh, probably not very high hopes, but still some excitement. Any, any hope of getting 
are. What do you think of the stadium so far? Okay, welcome back. Uh, yesterday, I went to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with friend of the show and West Ham fan, Will Swannell. I lent him a blue and white scarf so that he'd stay safe. Uh, <laughs> he had very low expectations. He said he just didn't want to get uh, humiliated. And I suppose they didn't. But something that did make my, me and some others around me laugh at the end of the game was that the West Ham fans... Uh, went over to their corner to, apl- to applaud their fans for coming. And there was hardly anybody there anymore to, to applaud. There was about one busload still there. So pretty dreary day for West Ham. Dreary first half for everybody, just as it usually is. Um, it was an absolute blueprint for a 2022-23 performance at Spurs. It was a horrible first half, I believe, at halftime when I checked the XG, uh, as George does for us very often, uh, I think it was 0.19 versus 0.09. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and when I told Will about that XG, he said, uh, you've had one shot on target from distance under coercion from the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that was Hoiberg uh, on about 40 minutes. Um, everybody was so fed up with no one taking a shot. So um, second half, much, much better, much brighter. Lovely to see Son Hyung min come off the bench and score a good goal uh, with another just fabulous assist from Harry Kane showing how many different things he can do well. Um, But the first goal, very, very notable. Ben Davies assist, Emerson Royale finish. And uh, uh, the Premier League website tells me that Son Heung-min was man of the match, which is a bit strange since he was substitute. But actually, I would say that incontestably the man of the match for the second time after the win against Manchester City also was Emerson Royale. And there were people around me who were holding their hands to their head in disbelief at how well he was playing. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I would now assert that the money that we've spent on uh, Pedro Porro, his replacement, which is not an inconsiderable sum, is actually an investment to make Emerson play out of his skin. <laughs> Do you know that that's what you, you, happened with United and Shaw when they went and bought Tellers? Yeah. It's Good not a bad point. show, yeah. you know, Mot- yeah. like motivating players. Bring someone in, um, put some fire under them. And yeah, Emerson has just been sensational. And the one the one game that Pedro Porro has been put on for, um, I've already registered on here how, how wrong that went away at Leicester. But yeah, Emerson was fantastic, man of the match, not just for his uh, calm finish from Davies's assist. He was just generally really, really good and made some... Uh, excellent tackles. Skip was also good in midfield. He was up against Declan Rice, which is not an easy assignment. Yeah, so uh, it was the Emerson Royale show in in some ways, <laughs> which was quite funny. And um, we were very uh, elated by the end and uh, sang West Ham get battered everywhere they go for about 20, 30 minutes without stopping. Uh, much to the delight of Will, who um, was outside for a smoke by that time. But yeah, all round uh, decent second half performance. Stellini was on the sideline. Conte is recovering in Italy, where I assume he stayed after our away leg in Milan, which is another thing that I want to mention. We had the worst possible start out in Milan after the Leicester debacle. So things were looking very, very dreary and drab at that point when... Um, 
Diaz scored for Milan in the first minute or so, second minute. But actually the performance that then ensued was really, really good. Um, the young lads, 20, 22 years old, Oliver Skip and uh, Pape Sar, they did themselves a load of credit with their midfield performance for the rest of that game, especially um, for under the cosh going behind so early. Um, so yeah, they came out that uh, they came out of that with a lot of credit. We probably should have scored with some of the chances we made towards the end, but the fact that we didn't concede any more and can go into the home leg on the eighth of March with just a one-goal deficit, a one-nil win or a, a win by a one-goal margin. Now that the away goals are not applicable anymore, uh, we'll take it to extra time. So I'm I'm reasonably satisfied with that. And uh, we've got Chelsea next week, as I've already mentioned. So surely a good time to play them. Uh, Nick, you just said you don't expect Potter to be replaced this week, um, given some of the noises coming out of the club, uh, even though that Southampton result was so terrible for them and they were quite vociferously booed off the pitch. Yeah, um, I don't think the, um, the owner Bowley is one who wants to acknowledge that he's made a cock-up of his first big decision. Yeah. That could well be. But yeah, Chelsea, I think it's 10 now. 10 games with just one win. It's dreadful. Um, I also watched their game in midweek away at Dortmund. That was a great game. Really, really good atmosphere, as George flagged up for us in our last show that it would be, since they have um, the permission from UEFA to have standing in the yellow wall. And they had 80-plus uh, thousand there. A massive, fabulous TIFO before the game. Uh, good atmosphere. Bellingham was fantastic. Obviously watching him with interest, driving runs in midfield, uh, lots of good tackles, uh, great goal as well uh, from Dortmund. So uh, as a as a German football watcher and and fan, I suppose, I'm, I'm very much hoping that they get through that tie against Chelsea, but it will be difficult just because it always is for German teams going to Stamford Bridge. But uh, we, we all know that... Um, Chelsea not in great shape. Now, another thing that happened last uh, midweek, then on Thursday in the Europa League, was um, the strange tea time trip for Manchester United to Barcelona. And I didn't quite know what to expect from this, it being in strangely in the Europa League rather than a Champions League uh, summit meeting as it should be with the names of those two clubs. But it turned out to be a real classic, didn't it? It was 2-2 in the end. Um, just to recap for anyone that didn't see... Uh, Marcus Alonso, uh, ex-Chelsea, scored for Barcelona first, but Manchester United hit back immediately with who else but Rashford. And then uh, an own goal from Barca put United 2-1 in front, but Rafinha, ex-Leeds, um, hit back for Barcelona. So it was 2-2. It's going to Old Trafford on Thursday. There's no uh, weight between the legs in the Europa League as opposed to the Champions League because they have that extra round to get through. And uh, Nick, you're going to be there at this... Um, Great football occasion. And I think after that first leg, everyone, even um, impartial observers, are really, really looking forward to that game. Yeah, I think um, it's so brilliantly poised. I had a bit, I was a bit worried that I'd be going to a dead rubber. But, um, you know, I'm not up for a long and deep Europa League run that <laughs> loses us points in the domestic sort of league campaign. But it was such a brilliant event. And there was a sort of, palpable feeling of Barcelona being actually affronted that a team had turned up at the new Camp and actually attacked them yeah. and held the ball and dominated. United were brilliant. And um, 
and actually that, that seemed to raise Barcelona's game once they got got used to it because they're so you know I cannot believe that Barcelona team is on course for a, a centenary season in La Liga because yeah. there are problems all over them uh, you know United could have won that comfortably but it will make it an even better event on Thursday that it's so close it's great that there's no away goals because it feels like both teams can just go at it again a lot of the sort of tactical chess has gone out of the window um, and I think it is it's two flawed teams who are long for something a bit greater but it definitely had the throwback to sort of late spring Champions League knockout game and I know the one you're thinking about when you say that there was a 3-3 wasn't there at Old Trafford there's a great um, pedigree to this fixture I think there were two we drew with them 3-3 twice in the in the treble year 99 that's the one I'm thinking of yeah why do you think it would damage your league form isn't that the brush usually tell you know like when Burnley got in it (laughs) I just don't have the squad for it I don't I don't know. I'm looking at the United bench over the last few weeks and it's it's a bunch of defenders and a bunch of children. Mm. And um and that's because we're carrying a lot of injuries and suspensions at the moment. But I, I think the the problem is we're very very reliant on one player, Rashford, and then a couple of others across the pitch, Varane and Casemiro notably. I think um an injury to one of those two will cost us points. I think also just the, the regular treadmill of Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday shaves points off you over the course of the season. If United get to the end and, and win it, then it's been worthwhile. But I think right. I would have seen... to agree from my experience. Worked yeah, out all right think... last week though. But and you've seen like season <laughs> managers like Mourinho nosedive the league campaign to concentrate on Europa because I think you have to make a choice when it gets to the spring, and I don't want to make that choice just yet. If it's taken out of our hands by the best team left in this competition by by, by Barca, then so be it. It's, it's sort of losing with honour. But I think if United do beat Barcelona, they'll be heavy favourites to win the Europa League. Well, yeah. For anyone wondering, um, Juventus, Ajax. Roma, Sevilla, the kings of that competition, mm. although they're not playing very well at the moment. They're all still in it. Uh, and then, obviously, with buys for this round, you still have Arsenal, very significantly. Two Spanish teams, Betis and Sociedad. Um, no other giants, I would say, among those. But yeah, there are a few uh, decent teams left in the competition. I thought um, it was... Um, I saw an interesting tweet from Scott Patterson, who's a, a United writer and covers a lot of the United storylines on Twitter, um, saying United were playing the best team in Spain in the Europa League, whilst Spurs had Milan, who are some way off the pace in Serie A. Dortmund, who are in a title race in Germany, uh, were playing Chelsea. And uh, Liverpool were playing Real Madrid, who are some way off the pace in Spain in the Champions League. Um, so it really was the big event in European football last yeah. week, which is, I think, good for the Europa as well. I wasn't to denigrate the Champions League. That was well, also to... important to note that those other two English teams, Chelsea and um, Spurs, last week lost, whereas yeah. you got the point. So, Although I think Spurs will be heavy favourites to win. Um, when oh, heavy favourites? Yeah, I, I think I think based on the performance missing your, your central midfield, although as a slight aside, my moment of the week was almost going to be Rio Ferdinand claiming that Spurs will be a lot better in the second leg when Bentacur comes back from injury, yeah. which, of course, would be a miracle, given that he's out to the end of the season. We've, we've almost got a weekly feature of uh, um, Rio Ferdinand not doing his homework for punditry. Yeah, just, just phoning it in unless it's United. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> OK, excellent stuff. We'll be uh, back after this short break to talk about uh, Manchester United's league game at the weekend and some other business. 
Okay, so welcome back to the final part. We've just been talking about Manchester United's uh, European exploits. They do have this League Cup final against um, Newcastle coming up. Huge game. Obviously, chance for Ten Hag to seal what has been an excellent beginning, uh, an excellent first season in charge uh, with a trophy already. So part of that, the preparation on Sunday was a home game against Leicester, which uh, Nick said could be a banana skin given... Leicester have scored four goals in each of their last two games against Aston Villa and Tottenham. Um, George is sort of making gestures to say that obviously it wasn't going to be a banana. Gilmer, Gilmer prediction strikes again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, you were saying um, that uh, Manchester United perhaps made heavy work of it before they scored that first goal from from Rashford. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, Leicester could have conceivably been two up. Very early on, they came at United with confidence and, and pace and speed. <laughs> looked like a Europa League hangover for United. And Dave, and Dave the save kept it level, to be honest. Yeah. And then a brilliant ball from Fernandez, Rashford, and he doesn't miss at the moment. And then after that, it was plain sailing. United I was, was going to add to our discussion about uh, Spanish football, Europe and all that. I, I assume that um, you would agree that Rashford's post-World Cup form and then his goal in the new camp especially has put him firmly on Real Madrid's and Marca's uh, uh, oh, yeah. radar. I mean, do you know what? I have been thinking it won't be long before he starts being... Luckily, there are some shinier toys out there for um, for Madrid this summer, I expect. Yeah, but a few shinier right now this at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Bellingham, I would have thought, Oh, that is, you're right. That is weeks away from starting to happen, especially with the contract stuff. Um, It'd be quite nice if that happens to you lot for once, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what you do to us. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, who knows what United's bankroll will be in the summer. But I thought the one thing I did want to say about this was it was quite interesting. I think it was either Match of the Day 2 or Sky. They, they did a stats comparison of this United team versus last year's United team. And... Well, I guess there are two ways you could read it because the point was that all of the stats from possession and expected goals, shots, dribbles, all, all of the stats that you can judge success by, there's only marginal differences from Ralph Rangnick's United last year to Ten Hag's uh, United this year, which is either a really compelling case for the role of marginal gains in football. Um, but my eyes don't lie. I, this is a very different United team playing a much better form of football yeah. and a much more successful form of football. So I actually chose to take it as a uh, an endorsement of my theory that stats in football are pretty pointless and are invented by no, they're they're clearly fancy better. football. Yeah, they're clearly better. I've I've also got uh, anecdotal evidence. We were in the pub before the game yesterday, and Will was just looking at the at your game on the TV while I was ordering. And he just said to me, um, "United are playing really well," <laughs> with a sort of exasperated tone. Um, yeah. But yeah, you you only have to watch them a few minutes these days, uh, like in the new camp as well, to to yeah. see that it's working so much better. Players like Shaw just really on song. Well, what um, what what Ten Hag's done with Sancho could potentially be brilliant for England as well, because right the way that he's managed, obviously something quite sensitive behind the scenes that is not in the public eye, is also. You know, a testament to his managerial ability. The fact that it's still in, you know, private and not splashed across the Sunday papers is again a sign of United getting healthier. Because yeah. in the past, that United were a leaky bucket. Yes, um, that's true. A lot of leaks. Yeah. So your third, uh, forty-nine points from twenty-four matches, 
three points behind Manchester City have played the same number of games. So there's all sorts of talk, I think, after Wednesday when um, Manchester City won at Arsenal, that very important game. Um, even though Manchester City are second again after the weekend's results, they're still marginally title favourites with the bookmakers. And you're only three points behind them. So you you joked last week that you sort of in and out of the title race in yeah. a few days. Uh, right now, surely in. Yeah, well, everyone's saying so, and it's obviously great for the media to have a United in the title race. I, I, I you know, I've, I've wrestled with it all season on the pod. I don't know whether we're looking up or down. I think for the first time now, going to a fortnight of cup games, I'm not worrying about what Spurs are doing, the yeah. fact that Liverpool are getting their act together. And that's that's all this season was ever meant to be about. Consolidate, get back in the Champions League, and then back the manager. And everyone is now just nervously waiting to see what happens with the ownership and to see what yeah. sort of manager backing occurs. What you don't but want could that is, rock the boat? Yeah, what you don't want is an is a big conglomerate like Todd Bowley's done at Chelsea who want to bring it bring in their own man. I mean, there's lots of ethical things that I will not get into in the in the last few moments of the pod, but mm. um I think it can only be a good thing based on where United have been out with the Glazers that United may well get access to all of their own money. And if United are able, even able to spend their own money, they will be able to spend more than anyone else in the country. Um, but they've not been able to do that. The Glazers have taken out everything that the, that the city owners have put into City over the same period of time. So I'm not going to get onto that now. But yeah, I think it's just a great time to be optimistic as a United fan. Um, we've got a great manager for the first time in, in, since Ferguson. Someone, an elite manager on an upward curve. And... Um... The optimism must have shot up somewhat with that um, Nick Pope episode, right, about Sunday specifically, because I suppose we wouldn't have been tremendously confident about that cup final with uh, such a resurgent and, and strong Newcastle team. But having Loris Carrius in goal against you with, with Rashford in this form makes a huge difference, surely. I think you're right. I think there's definitely been a giddiness, particularly amongst Twitter United fans, that Nick Pope has got himself sent off on quite so stupidly. And the, you know, the absurd sort of irony of Dubravka having played for us a couple of times, yeah. thus ruling himself out. It, it's like a, it's like you couldn't have scripted it. Um, it's like a bad comedy. But um, I, actually, what's more interesting for me is that the the wheels are coming off at Newcastle at exactly the wrong moment for them because I, I think they would take a League Cup win and a trophy over the top four. And it shows that you know these cups certainly the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant really. But the um, I, I think it shows what a distraction a cup run can be um, from an, an absolutely brilliant team. Like that, certainly defensively they've been wonderful. Yeah. Um, and and pretty much since the semi-finals, I think what have they got one point from three. Well, they've drawn uh, against Crystal Palace, West Ham, and Bournemouth in the league since they were last won in the league at home to Fulham. Yeah. So that's three draws and now a defeat to Liverpool. Okay, so three points. I sort of, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Newcastle because they've never really been a threat. I'm certain that's mm. going to change in the next two years, since the days of Keegan, I should say. And uh, I, 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 you know, they they are clearly thinking about Wembley, and I mean, you know, that means that they will up their game in a way that Leeds did when we played them twice. And anything can happen on Sunday. It's a one-off match. Sure. So let's hope that uh, this time next week we're talking about. Three life-sustaining points for Leeds at home against bottom club Southampton, George. Yeah, thanks. 
<laughs> let's hope that we're talking about a glorious Spurs win over hapless Potter's Chelsea. And let's hope, Nick... Carry us out of the match. <laughs> Thank you, George. We might save uh, my weekend. <laughs> some of us might harbour hopes for Carrius Man of the Match and Newcastle's first trophy since uh, Black and White TV. But uh, we can also say, let's hope for the first trophy in the uh, lifetime of this podcast for one of us. Ooh, that's a nice way. Well, who'd have thought it'd be Man United? Eh? <laughs> who'd have thought? <laughs> well, what certainly the at the start of the season, I wouldn't have thought it'd be them, to be honest. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, Good luck with in all your uh, endeavours, and we will speak again next week. Thank you very much for coming on, despite the hard times, George. No, always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Nick, and good luck in the cup final. Thank you.